Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Penguins to Go, your daily dose of Pittsburgh Penguins news and analysis. You can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, and we continue our role of 2022-23 Pittsburgh Penguins player reviews. I promise that we are moving through these. We've talked about the entirety of the Pittsburgh Penguins top six and For the most part, they all had pretty good seasons. Now, it gets a little sketchy. Today, we're going to discuss the bottom six centers for the Pittsburgh Penguins at the end of the season, which was Jeff Carter and Ryan Paling. Let's start with Carter because he has become public enemy number 1B, thanks to the acquisition of Mikhail Granlin, but... For 75 to 80% of the season, Jeff Carter was public enemy number one in the eyes of Pittsburgh Penguins fans. For good reason, to a certain extent. Not all of his season was bad, but most of it was pretty bad, right? He did have some shining moments, which we'll highlight. He did have some things go his way in 2022-23, but the majority of his season just was what you would expect of a player who's, I don't want to say washed, because I'm, who am I to call Jeff Carter washed, but somebody who is certainly at the tail end of his career. This season, Jeff Carter scored 13 goals, which was good for 7th on the Pittsburgh Penguins, 16 assists, which tied for 11th on the Pens, and 29 total points, which was still top 10, which was 9th. Right, He was the highest scoring bottom six player on the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. Unfortunately, that's not really a title worth bragging about. The Penguins' bottom six did not produce very much, especially in the middle portion of the season. Right, The first half dozen games to almost 10% of the season, bottom six looked okay. Top six was phenomenal, defense was helping out with scoring, but the bottom six was okay. Then it dropped off a cliff. Then towards the end of the season, it helped out every once in a while. But Jeff Carter, while the points looked like he kept his head above water this season, the underlying statistics show that he did not keep his head above water and he was drowning in the bottom six for the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
47% of the shot attempts at 5-on-5, which was 22nd on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Out of 23 players who played at least 20 games. The only player worse, Brock McGinn. 49.14 expected goals for at 5-on-5, which was 21st on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Again, out of 23 players that had played at least 20 games for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Ahead of only Brock McGinn and Kasperi Kapanen. If you're sensing a theme, it is that Jeff Carter was the worst player to make it to the end of the season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. 48.4% of the scoring chances at 5-on-5, which was good for 19th on the Pittsburgh Penguins out of 23. Ahead of, of course, the two I mentioned before, as well as Jan Ruda. And one other one that I'm, I'm blanking on right now. But regardless, not a good look for Jeff Carter. He did have a couple highlight moments. Two that came to mind right away. And when I looked back through it, it ended up being the only two game-winning goals that Jeff Carter scored this season. So it makes sense that they're his two highlight moments. The first one came in December, on December 9th, in Buffalo, New York. He scores an overtime goal against the Sabres. Pens were on the power play. Carter makes, makes a nice skate-to-stick pass to himself. Yawning cage, puts it in the back of the net. Penguins get the second point. An important second point that, as we learned, they needed every last one of them and still came up one short. So a nice moment there for Jeff Carter, winning it in overtime, walking it off against the Buffalo Sabres. The other moment was a pair of moments, really, against the Colorado Avalanche, and what I deemed as one of the best performances by the Pittsburgh Penguins the entire season. From top to bottom, the Penguins came to play when they went to Colorado on March 22nd, and Jeff Carter was a part of that. Two-goal performance, including the game-winning goal for the Pittsburgh Penguins in a 5-2 victory over the defending Stanley Cup champions. An important victory in the Penguins' season. It was all for naught as they did fall short of the playoffs, but nonetheless, a really good performance that night from Jeff Carter. My overall thoughts were that when you looked at Jeff Carter's season, I was surprised early on. He got off to a good start, as did the rest of the third line with Kasperi Kapanen and Danton Heinen, and then we saw what happened. Kapanen got to the point where he was waived and subsequently claimed by the St. Louis Blues for nothing. The Penguins just let him go. And Danton Heinen, I called him the cockroach. He stuck around, but did he really offer up much? No. Jeff Carter scored six points in the first seven games of the season, and you started to think, okay, this bottom six might have something to it, a little bit of punch, two goals and four assists. And then it just fell off a cliff, right? Seven point, or sorry, six points in the first seven games, and then it finishes with 29 points on the entire season. He did have two things going for him this season, though. He stayed healthy, which I know some people are going to roll their eyes, but you've watched Penguins hockey over the past half decade, half past decade plus. Penguins don't always get their guys to stay healthy throughout the season, especially a 38-year-old center who's taken his fair share of bumps and bruises throughout his entire career. Played in 79 games this season, which is the most he's played since 2017-18. He was available, and sometimes the best ability is availability, 
And that was one of his best abilities for the Pittsburgh Penguins this year, is he stayed healthy and he stayed an option for Mike Sullivan. He was reliable in that sense. He was also reliable in the faceoff dot. Team leader in faceoff percentage at 59.3%, which actually was also one of the top marks across the entire National Hockey League. So Jeff Carter, even though Sully beat this to death in every single postseason comment, Sully wasn't wrong when he said, hey, Jeff Carter is really good at faceoffs. He was. The unfortunate thing was, he was a liability in just about every other area of the game. Often out of position in the defensive zone. Why? Because he couldn't get into position noticeably slower than he had been in the past. He's 38 years old. What are you going to do? Right? Other than deploy him in better situations because the, the deployment was the most mind-numbing part of this entire process. Putting him out there in the last three minutes of a game that's just one goal down or a tie game. The guy was a liability out there. Didn't really have any offensive punch the remainder of the season after that hot start. And it was over for, for Jeff Carter being a real contributor to this team. He's going to come back next season. Has that full no-move clause. Basically is buyout-proof, trade-proof, retirement-proof. So you're going to see him next season unless he waives his no-trade clause and the Penguins are able to offload him. I don't foresee that happening. I would put the chances, and this might be old takes exposed in a month or so. I put the chances of Jeff Carter being traded or not on the Penguins roster next season at probably... 5%. 95% chance you see him back. If he does come back, you hope that he can take the things he was good at, staying healthy and winning faceoffs, and add two or three more things to that list. Because if not, it's going to be another 79 to 82 games of really nothing from Jeff Carter's roster spot. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk really quickly about Ryan Paling as well. A pleasant surprise, and we'll get to that. But you look at his season totals, and it uh, doesn't paint a pretty picture for Ryan Paling's first year with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Seven goals, which was good for 10th, so a top 10 finishing goals. Not great, but not bad. Seven assists, which was 14th. And 14 points, which was also 14th. The underlying numbers tell a, a very scary story for Ryan Paling this year. 49.6% of the shot attempts, which was good for 18th on the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
53% of the expected goals, which was 16th on the pens, and a 48.75 scoring chances for percentage at 5-on-5, which was also 18th on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Slightly better numbers than Jeff Carter over the season, but did get more favorable matchups, I should say, than Carter did for the vast majority of the season. Until the final stretch where Mike Sullivan had had enough of Jeff Carter and flip-flopped those two guys in the lineup. Ryan Paling became the third-line center for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and Jeff Carter became the fourth. The highlight moment to me for Ryan Paling was his goal against the Washington Capitals because that showed me what he could be in the league. It showed me the height of his potential. In a massive game, a gotta-have-it game for the Pittsburgh Penguins, what I'm going to say, probably not correct, but in my eyes, the final nail in the coffin that sent the Washington Capitals home and really took them out of the playoff race. That game was so big, and it was 0-0 for the first 30 minutes until Ryan Paling makes all the difference to put the pens up one to nothing and really just blow up PPG Paints Arena. It exploded when he scored that goal because it was, from start to finish, all Ryan Paling, or pretty much all Ryan Paling. Forces the turnover high in the defensive zone because he put pressure on the Washington Capitals defenseman after a faceoff. Beats Rasmus Sandin on a foot race. We heard so many times he registered the fastest speed in the NHL, faster than Connor McDavid. A lot of the season, I didn't see that, right? Most of the season, I was like, I don't see how, but all right. On that play, he certainly showed it. And he showed it other times as well, but certainly on that play. Beats Rasmus Sandin in a foot race, deposits the puck with beautiful touch to the top shelf. Pens go up one to nothing in the second period, and they would end up winning that game by a score of 4-3 to three after, of course, a little bit of a sweat, giving up the 3-0 lead, and then Evgeny Malkin scoring late in the third period. Highlight moment there for Ryan Paling. That's what showed me what he could be in this league. My overall thoughts on him, he was fairly invisible for most of the season. Dealing with injuries here and there, missed a handful of games at least three times. And then he missed most of the month of January with an injury. And we still didn't know when he was going to be back. It was day to day. Then he was put on LTIR. Then he came back and it was, hey, he's practicing. And he still didn't play for a week, two weeks. Part of that might have been the salary cap situation. Part of that might have just been that it was a nagging injury that he couldn't get out of his system. But he struggled with injuries for the majority of the second half of the season. But once he got healthy, in the latter half of the season, I thought he played some pretty good hockey. He and Drew O'Connor played fairly well together. Mikhail Granlund's another story. <laughs> we'll get to him. But I thought Ryan Paling proved that he certainly deserves a spot in the Penguins' bottom six next year. And it seems to me that the perfect place for him is fourth-line center. The only problem is the reason he wasn't playing in that role is because the Penguins don't have a third-line center. So Paling had to play there. 
Carter's not going to start at third line center next year. If he does, it's futile, right? It's a futile attempt at, hey, let's try to get any juice out of this guy because this contract's fairly immovable. But as far as Ryan Paling's concerned, they have to re-sign him. He's a restricted free agent. I see no reason why they wouldn't. I know it's a new general manager. It's a new era. It's a new dawn. It's a new thought process in the front office, in the hockey ops department. But when you look at a kid, 25 years old, he's got wheels. He can win you face-offs. He can kill penalties. He's good on the forecheck. He has some hands and he has some finish. The upside outweighs anything negative about Ryan Paling. So an okay season in his first year, certainly plenty of room to grow, but he does have some things to build on. I like Ryan Paling. Not that he had a phenomenal season. If I was grading this one, again, I'm not giving grades to everybody, but if I was grading Ryan Paling, I'd give him a B minus, right? Some of those knocks on him, trying to get healthy is a tough thing. Trying to play in a new system is a tough thing. This is his second team, the first time he's moved since becoming an NHLer with the Montreal Canadiens. We'll see what he's able to do if he resigns. I would again, I expect him to resign. He's a restricted free agent. If he resigns, it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do with a summer building into year two with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But that's going to do it for this episode of Penguins to Go. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Remember, you can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, whatever the button is to get more of our content. We'd certainly appreciate if you hit that button and you gave us a couple kind words, whether that's in the comment section or the review section. A quick programming update. This is going to be the last episode of either Penguins to Go or Tip of the Iceberg that hits the feed until next week. Thursday and Friday, we won't have an episode. I will be out of town and unfortunately unable to get to my laptop and or the microphone sitting in front of my face. But we will be back next week and we will be back throughout the entirety of the 2023 offseason and get you all set for the Pittsburgh Penguins 2023-24 regular season. It's only four months away. Yoy, it's going to be a summer. Hope you spend it with us. See you guys next time.